This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code LEFT12. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Majority Report, Radio Dispatch, Alternate Radio, The Young Turks, and Activism from the Unfuck It Up Project. And let me just admit right up front that today's topic is long overdue. Below average Americans are still trying to wrap their heads around gay and lesbian issues. Straight America is not ready yet for transgender issues. We in the LGBT community will force it upon them anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think you're, I think you're right on both accounts. Um, you know, it, it it doesn't seem too hard uh, to me to honor how someone wants to be referred to and how someone wants to be seen in society. Um, it's not, you know, it's not the most natural thing for me to do. Um, I didn't, you know, to the extent that um, I know, growing up at least, I didn't know any transgender people. I've uh, I've, I've worked with, uh, I've come, you know, as an adult, I've worked with um, uh, some transgender folk, and, um, you know, I mean, it's, you get used to it. It's not, you know, uh, it's not, it, you know, by, I did, um, I think it was Beef Cops. Um, one of the people working on our our show transgender i didn't i didn't know at first um at one point she told me uh and it i don't know it just wasn't a big deal um you know by day three on the shoot the big deal was like she's awesome at her job <laughs> at her job uh and that was extremely helpful particularly when doing a low budget thing you have you know you get good people, sometimes you get bad people, and bad people can really screw up a low-budget production. And awesome people can save you time and money. And that's, you know, I think we ended up working with her again. I can't remember. I, maybe a New York portion, I think, of uh, pilot season or something. So, um, so I think, you know, America will will learn to get over it and commentators won't be so freaked out that they have to say she instead of he. Uh, it's, Nathan it's not like most of these people have been saying such positive things about about Manning to begin with. I mean, it's not like it's going to change their outlook on him. No. Uh, and, Her, and, and, and yeah. Sorry. Well, that's the thing. Is that, like, look, you know what? Like, I don't think that people should be uh, attacked because they make a mistake like that. It's not. It's not the easiest thing. Look, I went through uh, a year and a half of saying, uh, you know, um, uh, Barack Osama uh, or whatever it was. I mean, it, you know, it happened. Barack Osama or whatever it was. Obama heard, Osama. You know, Obama I, Osama. Yeah, I mean, I you know, whatever. The, uh, it is, uh, for those of us who were covering the Bradley Manning trial, it's not the easiest thing in the world to just sort of like turn your mind. But, you know, the, the point is, is that good intention people will, will try to do it. Um, and um, people should give the benefit of the doubt when there is a, um, uh, a 
people will give the benefit of the doubt, and they should give a benefit of the doubt when it's clear that it's a well-intentioned mistake to say him as opposed to her. Uh, it'll be easier in two weeks because we've been saying uh, Bradley Manning as opposed to saying Chelsea Manning. You know, and so uh, people on, uh, you know, people need to both respect, both respect her requests and also give some slack to people who are well-intentioned but just, uh, you know, can't police every word out of their mouths. I mean, you could also tell the difference between people who are well-intentioned and, and have I think slip, so. and then those who just are refusing to use the proper pronouns. Right, and, uh, right, right. I don't know what to do. I'm so confused. I mean, look, I think it's, it's perfectly uh, – I mean, I – you know, uh, I gave some thought to how we're going to report on it I and mean, just refer to it because I don't want to be saying Chelsea Manning and have listeners who didn't hear the first part of the show and say, like, well, who is he talking about? And so, you know, I was contemplating, like, Chelsea, nay, Bradley, Manning. Um, I, I don't know if, if someone would take offense to that. Uh, it's... You know, from in a transition period, I may be something that I, I may do just so that people understand who I'm talking about. It's unreasonable to expect people to know immediately the next day. Maybe they didn't hear the news that uh, Chelsea Manning, uh, when I talk about Chelsea Manning, I'm referring to the people or the person that people used to know as Bradley Manning. You know, so, uh, but yes, America will get over it. Oh, it's such a drag. What a chore. Oh, you wounds are full of Everything's a stress And what's more Well, it's all somebody's fault Get, 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 get after it Get, 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 get after it Get, 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 get after it Get after it Get after So Molly said something like gender is a construct, uh, which means, I think, that gender is a distinction that is created almost entirely by society. I am trying to figure out how this jibes with uh, transsexuals. In particular, Lauren Hennessy said that he has always known he was a boy and even felt a phantom phallus. The implication is that he is innately male. Does this jibe with the idea that gender is a construct? Lauren also said something that I had never heard before, but that brings up a question I have always had about uh, transsexual people. The question I had was, if gender is just a construct, isn't it sort of regressive for trans people to change their bodies in order to conform to cultural expectations of what boys or girls should look like? Of course, it's not for me to judge them if they want to have the surgery, but it was just something I didn't understand. When Lauren said that, by not having surgery, he wanted to be seen as an example of one way in which boys can look. That is, boys can have female-looking, quote-unquote, female-looking bodies and still be boys. This seems to me uh, to be a true rejection of the socially constructed ideas of gender. I like that. Still, Lauren also said that if he'd known it was an option, he would have embraced the opportunity to have the physical uh, to have the physical sex change as an adolescent. In the end, it seems that Lauren does embrace the idea that gender is not just a construction. I'd love to hear your take, or even better, Lauren's. In fact, I'm CCing him on this email right now. <laughs> love That's that. Such a great last line. Um, and I actually, we were uh, we were at a party talking with um, some friends about our interview with Lauren and how much fun we had. And 
they brought this one um, person brought up the same question and said like, well, like if we didn't have such rigid gender expectations, would that mean that like trans folks might have a little bit more freedom to be like, I am female Mm -hmm. presenting, but I am uh, male identifying. And is the surgery, like, is that part of the gender expectations that we have, that we're all kind of, like, bound to? But so I think let's just read Lauren's response, and then we can maybe talk a little bit more. So Lauren responded, uh, Lauren says, you know, I don't think that gender is a construct, but that uh, the sex and gender pairings definitely are. And so this, to, real quick, to make the distinction, so sex is like what your genitals are, and gender is your identity, your your gender identity. So that's an important distinction. Like, so the sex of a baby is female. If, you know, if the baby has, like, female, have, you know, two X chromosomes and female, you know, biology, that's, that's sex. Sex is a biological term. Gender is a social term. Nothing to add. Yeah. <laughs> uh, So Lauren continues, I think it came from the patriarchal movement when the male sex realized that sex between a male sex person and a female sex person is what creates life and that they are necessary in the process, structures began forming and roles were put into place. Women were taken out of the fields and put into the house. Before patriarchy, uh, documented in cultures around the world, back to ancient Mesopotamia, there were many examples of of an exemplary race, commonly referred to as B-E-R-D-A-C-H, Burdake, quote, two-spirit. These were basically uh, homosexual and often transgender folks that were revered and depended on by the rest of the tribe for guidance. They were given high ranks among their community as priests, healers, etc., because they were considered to have the spirit of both a man and a woman. Even better. So gender differences were in fact recognized since the beginning of time, but sex and gender assignments are definitely constructs. As far as the phantom penis goes, <laughs> Lauren writes, I have no fucking clue. Why? In all capitals. <laughs> no clue. It bugs me out if I think about it too much, but it's there. Whether it's in my head or an actual thing or what, I can't say. I'm still learning. As far as me transitioning as a teen, it is true that I feel uncomfortable in my body 99% of the time. It's true that I would feel more comfortable in the body that I see myself in my, as in my head. And it's probably true that I feel this way based on societal constructs. Anyway, thank you for your email. Which I think that that's great because it's just like, yeah, all of these things can be the case. Like, Lauren can feel uncomfortable in a female body and still want a male body because it would make him feel more comfortable but also, like, that's not necess- you can't necessarily separate that from our gender expectations, but it doesn't delegitimate the desires, obviously, of trans folks to have the body that feels correct for them, you know? Well, and, and as far as, as Lauren's bringing up some of the origins of patriarchy and going from fields to the house, what's your sort of, do you feel like Sex at Dawn has answers for any of this um sex at dawn obviously talks uh, a lot about monogamy and about how this sort of standard simple explanation or just not maybe not simple but the standard explanation for pair bonding is inadequate and, right. and doesn't actually describe how many societies work and that that there's nothing natural about a male male-female monogamy 
um, in a Darwinian sense, but that it's tied to the creation of agriculture. I do, I don't know. What do you, how do you feel like that plays in? Totally. Well, yeah. And so what, what Lauren got, got into it a little bit, I think is very similar to what Sex at Dawn talks about. And, and Sex at Dawn is like a popular, like well-selling book. So I don't know exactly, like, I'm not sure exactly if it stands up to like, you know, scientific peer review or whatever, but uh, I recommend reading it. Um, yeah, so do I. But basically, yeah, the sex at dawn argument is that the whole, and it ties in, I mean, you know, it's getting a little bit abstract here, but like everything is a construct. And the way that we think about gender and sexuality and pairings is a construct influenced by other power structures. And I think that's the very important thing to remember. So sex at dawn argues that, yeah, that the idea that like men and women, the, the traditional narrative that like because of evolution, men and women pair together and that's why they only... That's why they stay together and be so that they can raise babies and so that they can, you know, advance the, the species and whatnot. And it's in the best interest of each of them to, like, be monogamous. Although the, the standard narrative is also that it's that men are naturally want to sleep with as many women as possible. To spread their seed, and, yeah. And women want to be monogamous so right. they can have a sort of, like, protector quote-unquote right and so that i think that that's what that's that is also like a a very strong part of the traditional explanation right and and sex at dawn argues that the idea of like pairing basically that the idea of like female monogamy the expectation of female monogamy um the expectation that a woman would only sleep with one man is linked to the idea that that man has to care for the progeny of that lady of that woman and very early on in like pre-agricultural times they didn't realize that like one man's semen made one baby right like they their sex at dawn says that like you know people used to a woman used to sleep with like the handsomest guy and the smartest guy and the funniest guy yeah. you know just to get like the best and then all of those uh handsome smart funny semens would mix together and make like a great baby and it wasn't until agriculture when they started owning animals and noticing how like reproduction worked that they were like oh it's just one like if i have sex with you then you have my baby and then men had an interest to be like i shouldn't let you sleep with other people because then if you have other people's babies i'm gonna have to provide for them and that's gonna really stress me out and so then the men were like we better make sure that women don't sleep with anybody else so that yeah so that's where that's where the uh, idea of locking in female monogamy comes from right even though the explanation is faux darwinian but the the reality is much more cultural. Right. And so, I mean, in terms of... Sex Don doesn't get much into, like, gender identity, but in terms of, like, sexuality, basically their argument is that human beings, primates, they talk about bonobos who are closest to us DNA-wise um, alongside uh, chimps, and bonobos have, have multi-male, multi-female relationships and are not, like, specifically heterosexual. Like, women will sleep with female bonobos, will sleep with other <laughs> female bonobos, uh, they'll sleep with several different male bonobos and so on, and there's lots of, of you know, not agricultural native tribes currently, like in Papua New Guinea and stuff, like in human beings in the world who also behave in similarly non-monogamous, non-exclusively heterosexual ways. And so, I mean, that's sexuality, not gender. But, I mean, I feel like our gender expectations are tied, incorrectly, I think, but are tied to the way that we understand sexuality. Which, that like, that's how I would try mm-hmm. to make sense of what, like, Laura is saying. That, like, 
once the model, once once agriculture, and then I think facilitated by like capitalism and ownership, facilitated the model that there needs to be one male and one female owning shit together, <laughs> like that informs both our understanding of sexuality, which is what Sex at Dawn gets into, but also our understanding of gender, right? Because and then the need for a rigid gender dichotomy. Exactly, because then you can't be like, well, what do we do with these two people who don't? identify as one or the other where do they fit into these molds like these two molds that were informed i think by sexuality to begin with or informed by actually like economic needs um and then like shaped our understanding of sexuality as like heterosexual pair bonding that also informed our uh, gender expectations because heterosexual pair bonding to own shit necessitates one male and one female so that they can do it and they can have babies you're blowing my mind here (laughs) that was really good (laughs) all right i'm glad that worked out Squarespace is a generous and loyal supporter of this show, so I'm happy to tell you some of the most important things you need to know about them. Uh, first of all, their whole reason for existence is to help you build the best website you possibly can, whether or not you have any technical skills going into it. They have all these professionally designed templates and features that are so easy to use, anyone can do it. And it's most of it's drag and drop. You move things around, you make it look like you want it to look, and bam, that's your website. And then if you do have any troubles, they have a full staff of 70 people working just on customer care so that you can get a hold of them 24 hours a day. So not only are they pretty cool, but they're also incredibly cheap. You get all that and a whole bunch more that I didn't have time to mention starting at just 8 bucks a month. And so you know those are some of the facts and figures. But I learned this recently, which I think is sort of a, an interesting insight, which is that the, the office, the actual office where the customer care team is, has been nicknamed the Care Bear Lair, which beyond being sort of fun, reminds us that this is like, you know, it's a real company, a real American small business based in New York City, staffed by real people who apparently have a sense of humor. And so it's, it's details like those that make me really happy to spread the word about them and encourage you to give their services a try. So you can try them for 14 days for free, see all the details for yourself, and then when you're ready to sign up, be sure to use the special offer code LEFT12. That's L-E-F-T and the number 12, and that gets you 10% off your initial purchase. So frankly, I suggest you sign up for a full year in advance. That way you get a much bigger discount, and it also lets them know that you're supporting this show at the same time. So again, the offer code is LEFT12 to get 10% off when you create your own space at squarespace.com. I don't want to pretend that the fight for full citizenship for gays and lesbians is over. I don't want to be triumphal about that. Uh, LGBT Americans obviously still face institutional discrimination. They face personal bigotry. Um, you know, LGBT, LGBT youth are still bullied to death. But I am also in the camp that sees this sea change in public attitudes and thinks that we're, we're not terribly far from having marriage equality in all 50 states, um, an end to workplace discrimination, discrimination and adoption, etc. So I wanted to have you on to talk about some other angles that aren't as frequently discussed as, say, same-sex marriage, which is everywhere. And um, the first thing I wanted to ask you about is the T in LGBT. It's my impression, and I could be wrong, that the fight to protect the rights of transsexual Americans is lagging behind that of gays and lesbians. Is that impression correct? Um. Well, it is, and when we speak of transgendered folks, I think that 
it's um, often le- people are often willing to write off the transgender community in uh, you know in order to further their own goals. So I understand it kind of both ways, where people are saying we want to move forward and politics is incremental. There's also folks out there, of course, who say it's all or nothing. Politics is not incremental. And I certainly understand both points of view. Now, why do you think public attitudes toward people with different gender identities have not shifted along with the public's attitudes toward sexual preference? Well, I actually think they've shifted, just not as fast. I think that, you know, we see in many states now protections for trans individuals. We see Title IX and various rulings from the National Labor uh, or the EEOC Commission. There's so many boards that rule on this stuff. So we've seen a lot of favorable stuff in that department. What we haven't seen is enough of it or fast enough. Right. I, I think that there's some things that are, you know, when it comes to personal knowledge, for example, there's this this finding that's really consistent throughout the social science research. If you look at you know, whites are less likely to be racist towards minorities when they know minorities. Uh, Native-born are less likely to have hostility towards immigrants when they know immigrants. Um, Straight people are less likely to be homophobic if they have gays and lesbians in their lives. And I wonder if it's just that there's many fewer transgendered people, because I, I know, you know, I didn't, I wasn't raised in a little small town somewhere in the Midwest. I'm from New York City, and I didn't know any trans transgendered people personally until I was living in San Francisco uh, maybe five years ago and had a transgendered colleague. Do you think that that plays into it? Well, I think that, you know, as we know from the gay community, when you're out, it's the single most important thing an LGBT person can do is be honest with their friends and family and the people they love. That's how, that's how the system works. There's that's no how you change minds. You know, I also wonder if there's something to do with the fact that, you know, wherever you are on the Kinsey scale... You can understand lust, you know, like if, if, you're, if you're gay, if you're a gay man, you lust after men. If you're a straight guy, you lust after women, but it's lust. And the, you know, it's hard for us to know, you know, I would love to be six foot two and maybe lose the love handles, but it's hard for us to understand what it is to be trapped in the wrong body. Well, I think that, you know, for people who are trans, it is... You know, it's not something that people wake up one morning and say, I'm, you know, oh, by the way, uh, you know, I'm trans and I'm in the wrong body. It's something that I think people go through at so many different stages in their lives. So I think that you, you know, you're correct. It's, it's just, it's such a different experience. I think what brings it together, the commonality of that experience is the fact that the discrimination has been so similar. Right. You know, the same kind of queers everyone's lumped into or the kind of bashing of people. Right. You know, if someone takes it back to someone in the village, they don't care if the person's gay-identified or trans-identified. Right. So we are all in the battle together. Right, right. Uh, exactly that. right. Now, tell me what kinds of... Let's get past individual bigotry, because that's a constant, I think. Um, what kinds of challenges do transgender people face in terms of legal discrimination? And what kinds of policies would we like to see put in place to, to help them achieve equal protection? Sure, and there are, you know, so many. But I think from what we've seen, the greatest change is really in administrative kinds of things. For example, uh, recently in the District of Columbia, laws passed regarding birth certificates and 
laws, you know, can somebody change the gender of a birth certificate? Because if somebody goes through life identifying as a woman, and, you know, then they show up with a passport that says male and, you know, confuses the passport agent. Right. So from that perspective, there is that stuff that's happening from a public policy perspective where, and that's something that happens, you know, in many cases piecemeal. It doesn't happen automatically across the country. Um, we're also seeing different parenting decisions and divorce decisions around couples that have been married and one of them transitions. Is this a same-sex marriage? Is this, you know, what is this? What? There's so much new law to be written that um, I think we really probably can't even imagine a lot of it. But I think as those laws are written and the legal interpretations, more and more we'll be seeing votes for full equality. Recently, there was a piece written in The Weave that I thought was really courageous. It was written by the name of Thomas Matt, and he came out as someone who is attracted to trans women. So he said during a recent trip to Thailand, uh, he, of course, uh, met with a bunch of uh, you know trans women, and he was very, very attracted to them. And for a really long time, he felt guilty about it. He felt that it was unnatural, and he felt that people would judge him about it, so he kind of kept it hidden. But in his piece, he wrote the following. It wasn't until I fell for a transgender girl in Thailand that my own toxic silence finally melted away. When we met, I thought that she might be transgender, but I was not sure. Regardless of what might be between her legs, I found her confidence, independence, and grace inspiring. We started seeing each other. And then he talks about how she came out to him and admitted that she was transgender and uh, she was worried because a lot of a lot of times uh, transgender women will get murdered yes. after they admit uh, what the reality is and she, you know he said that just seeing that fear in her eyes broke his heart and he he told her you know what I don't care and you know they've been in love ever since and this is not an easy thing to write about which is why I wanted to give him credit yeah. so I interviewed a couple of trans women in Miami and uh, and one thing that they told me really stuck with me. They said we never have surprises, like because a surprise means possible violence, right? So you never, ever, ever want to surprise a guy. You want to tell him well ahead of time because you don't want to be alone in a room and give and and there's a surprise and the guy reacts in a way you're not. And think about the how traumatizing that is. That you've got to like the whole thing about when do I tell him? What do I say? And I got to make sure that I don't get beaten up for saying who I am. You know, it's it's amazing. And I had never thought of it this way until I read this article that the guys in the who are with trans women are in the closet. 
I don't know why I never thought about it that mm -hmm, way. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, it's that's the, true. You know, yeah. because you would think like maybe somebody dressed up as a woman and they're not, they haven't quite made a transition yet, and they're in the closet, right? You think of a, a guy who's gay who's in the closet, but you don't necessarily think of it this way. And it is kind of brave of him to say, and, yeah. he, and especially because he said, you know what, I could, I also like. You know what? what yeah, I, cis, I, know. Cis, I, I didn't know that either. Meaning women Genetic, or women? Genetically born, yeah, women. right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's apparently cisgender—a new yeah, word for me. But he's like, I already, I also like cisgender women. Um, so I didn't have to reveal myself at all, but I'm doing it so people realize it's not a shameful thing. And that's the that's the great thing about what he's doing. He's he's normalizing this because he's obviously not the only one out there. But there are very few people that are comfortable enough to go public with it and and do so in such a candid way. So I give him a lot of credit because when you think about the progress in the gay community, I mean, what 30 years ago people felt really uncomfortable coming out. People wouldn't come out at all. But now you have all these celebrities very casually talking about their sexuality via Twitter or whatever it is, and it normalizes it. It makes you realize, hey, this is natural and you shouldn't judge. And it's getting a lot better, right? I mean, we saw legislation here in California where transgender high school students are now going to be able to select which bathroom they go to based off their comfortability. So I think you're right, Anne. I think this is a really good step pushing that normalcy ball forward. Mm -hmm. And it is sad. I mean, so many transgender teens are committing suicide and also being attacked um, for their... To, and to I, I just and I really I'm sorry I just I, I love that the that that, that uh, to what Jenk said that there's that the next step is for guys to be able to say not that there would be anything wrong with being gay but they're like yeah I don't think I'm gay I like mm -hmm. I like transgender women I like they might also like regular women or or, or, or genetic cisgender women um, or not either way whatever mm -hmm. right and that there's no whatever you like you like and nobody has to decide nobody has to label you because of it that's if there's something wrong with you. yeah and just going back to what ebony said you know in 2012 alone 265 transgender women were murdered killed that's amazing so that's it that's a high number you know because especially considering how small their community is and, uh, and nobody ever comes out as you know being attracted to trans women. Yet, on Santa Monica Boulevard here in right. Los Angeles, 24-7, you know, they have customers for literally as long as I've lived in Los Angeles. I use that as one of like a million examples you can use. There's, and in Thailand, there's, they've got a million customers. And here and in Los Angeles and Miami, like, the, and the, some, some of them are so beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and all these guys are with all those trans women. Mm -hmm. But none of them ever admitted. Now I always think about that, like because I had a TV uh, office. I was a TV writer at the time that literally looked over Santa Monica Boulevard, which here in LA, in a certain portion of Santa Monica, is where that's where the working women who are trans women are, right? right. And they're out in the afternoon, etc. And I always think like they're getting nonstop customers, but you never hear a guy saying like, "Yeah, yeah I'm the one going to the trans woman." Yeah, <laughs> it's like right? Taco Bell, right? It stays right. open, and there's more of them all the time, but nobody wants to claim that they go there. You know, I like Taco Bell. Well, I'll take advantage of the situation to say that I, I go to Taco Bell. I do too. <laughs> I, I go to Taco Bell. I'm saying I, I, I like, like it. tacos. <laughs> okay. I like tacos. Right. So, so, <laughs> so God bless this guy for yeah. you know being literally yeah, among yeah. the first I've ever seen saying, "Yeah, I'm that guy," and I then there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, right. And I guess it's I guess it's the fear of getting labeled as gay. I think so. You know, too. right? Yeah. Um, and and maybe especially for guys like this who who are also attracted to. Look, it feels goofy saying cisgender because I've never said the word before. Right. But it also feels wrong saying regular women. No, that's what I said. And right, I corrected right. myself. Yeah, but that's just instinct. Right. So, g I g genetically born women, something like that. It's clunky, but anyway, yeah. because because he's thinking, well, I'm into women. 
Right. I'm into women, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not gay, so it's kind of like, but then everybody is going to, if I'm with a trans woman, you know what people are going to say, right? right? Yeah. They're going to say, oh, Especially you're other gay, women. Right? I think that's the other thing, too. If you've come out, like, because I'm trying to imagine a guy telling me, like, yeah, I like you and we're going to be together, and my previous relationship was with a transgendered woman. And I think I might initially have to, like, consider that, like, process it, and then it's like what you said, Ben. What's yeah. the difference? Right. I mean, she looks like a woman. She's... Yeah, so like a wo- I mean, it is a woman, so it is right. what it is. But there is definitely that stigma. Yes. And so, yes. and that's why people are scared to do it, and that's why it's going to take some brave souls coming out. Like this guy. Like this guy, before yeah. people get beyond them. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. So this letter is in response to this other listener letter that we got that um, that kind of asked the question, you know, in a kind of revolutionary way of thinking, why do trans people need to change how they, you know, change their assigned gender? Why can't people just all express their gender however they want? Isn't that subversive of the gender binary as opposed to identifying as male or identifying as female or preferring certain pronouns or what have you. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair uh, recap? Yeah, yeah. And why not the first listener w- was taking the why not be why not show that you can be a woman in any way that you want? Right. Why say that you are a man? Isn't that isn't that regressive? Isn't it more subversive to say uh, I can be a woman however? Right. Uh, and, and so this is the uh, response to that. Right. And we, we responded as best we could, but we also said, trans listeners, please respond uh, because you can speak about this better than we can. And so we got an email from a trans listener who says, I'm writing in regards to your listener who is confused about trans people. Specifically, they were asking in good faith about why we feel the need to change rather than just present differently. I'm going to talk about trans as a biological and psychological phenomenon. It is obviously more than just its symptoms as a disorder, but I think starting at the concrete level of biology might help. I would also like to say that everything I'm saying is how I feel about my own trans identity. I can't speak for anyone else whose experiences and lens for understanding might be different. I'd also like to offer the caveat that I'm sort of leaving genderqueer and intersex stuff out for the sake of simplicity. Suffice to say that third gender categories pop up often in cultures around the world, and it's sort of just a fluke of history that we in the West have only recently begun to recognize it, and that biological sex appears in more forms than just the ideal of male and female. First off, a bit of pedantry. Social scientists distinguish between gender and sex. Gender is psychological, whereas sex is biological. Gender is between the ears, sex is between the legs. The two are distinct, though related traits, though we tend to equivocate them when speaking colloquially. 
Understanding that those two different things is the first step to getting the rest of it. I recently went to the doctor for the first time to get prescribed hormones, a testosterone blocker, and estrogen in my case. We were talking about insurance, and my doctor said that she usually files trans care as, quote, endocrine disorder, not otherwise specified. I think this is a decent way to think about it. People sometimes feel iffy about having trans classified as a disorder at all, but there is definitely an underlying biological element to it, albeit one that manifests itself in psychological symptoms. After all, trans usually is treated by hormone therapy and a social transition. So for at least those who transition, there is an element of biology involved. For me, the psychological symptoms are a profound sadness either at my body or the social roles, roles forced upon me. I sometimes feel like my internal map of my body doesn't quite match up with the one that got created by puberty. It's not just gender presentation that is an issue, though that's a part of it for many of us. Everything just feels wrong. For me, being referred to as a he feels incorrect. Having hair on my face and a flat chest also feels incorrect. Wearing men's clothes just feels wrong. I have a hard time even relating to the world as a man, if that makes sense. The costume doesn't fit. It's not even the annoyance of being forced to put on a different role than the one I'd like. There is a visceral wrongness to it that I don't know if I'm properly equipped to explain. I distinguish between gender and sex a while up. The easiest way to think about trans is that it is a mismatch between gender and sex. The other thing to understand is that gender has many specific facets to it. There are gender roles, gender expression, gender identity, and so on. Specifically, trans is a mismatch between gender identity and sex. For whatever reason, the gender I feel I am just doesn't match the pre-transition sex of my body. For at least some trans people, one way to cure this mismatch has been a transition. There doesn't seem to be any other way to rid, of, rid us of this mismatch, and the Lord knows mainstream psychology has tried. Altering gender expression might alleviate it for a while, or for some people, even completely. But for others of us, it's simply not enough. I hope that helps. Feel free to tell me if none of this makes sense. I've been stewing around in my head for the past few days. I think that that is a really helpful way of distilling it, just the wrongness. Like something, it's not just, oh, I can present my gender identity differently while still being called these other pronouns and this other word, this other gender that I don't feel like I am. As this listener says, it's that everything about it doesn't feel right. And that's not something that you should have to just live with for the sake of some uh, kind of bigger, like revolutionary project of subverting the gender binary. Right. Yeah. And, and I think again, to, to give a shout out to, a blog post that we talked about a week ago, two weeks ago. The Not Your Mom's Trans 101 blog yeah, post. Yeah, because I think that for, uh, just again, for anyone who wants to do further reading, that blog post does a very good job of sort of expounding on what our listener brought up, the idea that sex is absolutely tied to biology in this like very clear-cut way. Mm-hmm. That that post does a very good job of of complicating that and also sort of complicating the gender is between the ears, sex is between the legs, which I think is 
probably helpful as a starting point, but I thought personally that that blog post helped. It just helped complicate that idea. It, also. Ex- it expanded on it as opposed to to say that th- this is that that's kind of a starting point. Yeah. But there's also and like this listener and also I have uh, read now that the listener says we can use their name. So their uh, their name is Melissa and their Twitter handle is Melissa Doom. Uh, if you feel like uh, tweeting any comments or questions. And Melissa has been uh, on the show before. And we really really love hearing from Melissa and. You know, as as she says, she doesn't really talk about uh, gender queer and intersex, and so it's yeah that it's important when we when we do talk about trans to to say that that it's a variety of experiences that some people feel I am the opposite gender that I have been assigned, but also some people feel these two things. I don't agree to these choices. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a 3D uh, kind of cube of experiences. Yeah, which is what I certainly felt when I was younger and still sometimes feel kind of like I don't agree to these, you know, I didn't concede to these, uh, to, to, to only being given these two <laughs> choices. And in terms of our first listener's email, which was, which was again, a, a very good faith question and I think, a, you know, a good question to ask about the a kind of larger revolutionary project of rejecting the gender binary, um, I think that making this point that being trans is a bigger complication of the gender binary, but that said, some people, I mean, it's it's not, you know, I, I say gender is a construct, but that doesn't mean that the way people feel and experience gender isn't real. Yes. It's just that the two choices are a construct, in my opinion. That doesn't mean that you might not strongly identify with one of those choices, but some people don't. So, Saying gender is a contract is just a way of saying, well, here are two things that we built. <laughs> what if we build a lot of other things? <laughs> so you're not just forced into one or the other. I make these hand gestures that I'm doing every time we talk about gender, but nobody can see them. No, I mean, it often looks like there are two <laughs> levers in front of you. <laughs> and you're sort of pulling and pushing them both. Like like you're on a, a steamship pretending to like make it go forward or <laughs> slow down or whatever. So whenever uh, whenever I talk about gender as a construct, just picture me miming being the conductor of the steam jet. Story broke at the Christian Broadcasting Network. <laughs> yes, I know. That is the network that carries Pat Robertson's show, The 700 Club. That's his network. That's his network. Yeah. Yes. So uh, the story broke at, a, at the Christian Broadcasting Network. Uh, this story was a report uh, that was seemed to be built around a letter submitted to uh, the school involved, which is Florence High School in Colorado, by the Pacific Justice Institute, which is an anti-LGBT group. And this story was basically that a student who is transgender was causing trouble in a girl's locker room at the Colorado High School. Uh, apparently, this student, who CBN says claims to be transgender, was harassing girls in the bathroom. Uh, Think Progress reported that you know this didn't really quite pan out, being that uh, the report did not identify a single student or parent who complained, nor did they 
single out one complainant uh, or what was actually happening. It was just a vague transgender student harassing girls in a locker room. Why is the school allowing this transgender girl in the girls' locker room? Uh, the story was picked up by the Daily Mail, the Examiner, Fox Nation, and Infowars. Of course. They all repeated the same information, the same, the same report. It was all a rep repetition of the same information. They all had the same lack of detail, and Infowars went as to f so far as to create their own information, saying that the girls in the locker room who were complaining about the transgender girl was being, were being threatened with hate crime charges. Anyway, Christian Williams... There are so of, many hints here that this story isn't real. Yes. <laughs> Christian Willi Kristen Williams of the Trans Advocate thought the story was fishy, along with Think Progress and I assume many other liberal outlets. So she took it upon herself to talk to the superintendent of the school, Rhonda Vendetti. And this is what she discovered from the superintendent. This is one parent, basically, bringing their viewpoint about this situation to the media because they weren't getting the responses that they hoped they would get from the district, from parents of students at the high school, or from the board and myself. To our knowledge, and based on our, our investigation, none of those things have actually happened. We do not have a transgender student at the high school. Wait, I'm sorry, we do have a transgender student at the high school. And she has been using the women's restroom. And there has not been a situation. In addition... Think Progress reports, a majority of the school is actually supportive and the trans student is doing well. And it's, kind, and it's just two moms kind of leading the brigade who wish to remain anonymous. I would like to also say that it seems like these two, this, this, this mother, is part of this anti-LGBT group, Pacific Justice, because they are the group who sent the letter to the school demanding privacy protections on behalf of the girls in the locker room being harassed by this transgender student, supposedly. Now, it turns out, being that it was being covered and debunked, the Pacific Justice Institute, that anti-LGBT group, has come out and sort of uh, wanted to, I guess, be more specific about the claims. Uh, let's hear what their conduit of attorney, Kathy Brennan, has to say. It is our position that the intrusion of a biological male into a restroom for teenage girls is inherently intimidating and harassing. Ah, the group staff attorney, Matthew uh, McReynolds, okay. uh, said the same thing to the National Review. Basically, what this means is this transgender student is not actually harassing the girls. The act of this transgender student using the girls' restrooms and locker rooms, that in itself is the harassment to these groups. Uh, the Pacific Justice Institute posted an updated press release defending their attack on Florence High School. The group insists that the story is true simply because they sent a letter about it and the school didn't reply. <laughs> they also boast that it represents the students and the, their families whose privacy rights are being violated. And as Think Progress notes, interestingly enough, this time around, the word harassment is absent from their press release. 
So basically, to sum things up, anti-LGBT group claims that the simple act of a transgender girl using a girl's restroom, even though none of those girls in the restroom or the locker room complain about it, the simple act of her using it is harassment to those girls. And that the school needs to take action to basically not give this transgender girl the rights to use the bathroom that she is entitled to use. And these conservative outlets went, ran, ran amok running the story without getting their facts straight because it fed in to their ideological uh, outlook on this situation and their beliefs on the LGBT community at large. Uh, that's pretty much the right wing in general for all the issues that they claim to be so uh, steadfast against. And it might be One question I get a lot from listeners has to do with how long it takes me to make an episode of Best of the Left. Well, between all the research, show prep, and actual editing, it comes out to around 20 hours of work for each one of the 10 episodes I make every month. Obviously, this is only possible because of the listeners who chip in a few bucks each month to make it happen. So if you appreciate this show and think it provides a valuable service, then please think about becoming a member at the $10 a month level. That's only a buck a show after all. I've always believed in giving away the show for free so everyone can hear it without restrictions. So if you can afford 10 bucks a month, that covers yourself and several others who maybe can't afford to pay but who need to hear the show as much as anyone. As thanks, members also receive bonus content including extra voicemails, behind-the-scenes stories and more of my personal musings thanks so much for your support Today's activism segment comes to you, as always, in partnership with the Unfuck It Up Project, where creator Katie Goodman and activist director Katie Klebusik highlight individuals and organizations working to change the world. Today's campaign, Safe Schools. Bullying is a near guarantee for LGBT students. More than 8 in 10 experience harassment, intimidation, and even assault. For transgender students especially, being bullied is a way of life. And the scare tactics and humiliation aren't leveled only by classmates. As you'll hear in the next clip, school board member Catherine Svensson openly declared that there would have to be castration for a transgender student in Colorado's Delta County to use the bathroom fitting their gender identity. Stories like that would overwhelm newscasts and publications if they received appropriate attention. On November 16th, International Transgender Day of Remembrance passed without any noticeable fanfare. Pausing to consider the disproportionate rate at which trans people are bullied, assaulted, and killed was perhaps too uncomfortable to broadcast. And so, as we see so often in every corner of activism and organizing, an entirely grassroots effort has led to a movement to make our nation's schools safe. Legislation termed the Safe Schools Improvement Act has bipartisan support in Congress and local municipalities are standing up to say their community's kids deserve respect and care. Visit Gleason, the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network's website, and use their Legislative Action tab to search for actions in your community, get help starting your own, and find updated information on pending legislation. From that page, you can encourage your reps to join Senators Bob Casey of Pennsylvania, Mark Kirk of Illinois, and Representative Sanchez of California in sponsoring and voting for legislation that ensures all students will be protected, no matter who sits on their school's board, in the principal's chair, or in the seat next to them in algebra. 
are, they fucked it up. Now it's fucked up. Could you help unfuck it up? And then say, are you really so fucking busy? You can't take one fucking minute to help unfuck it up. Because I'm willing to pick one thing to help unfuck it up. Won't you join me? Colorado is dealing with a little bit of a controversy after one school board member in Delta County said some pretty negative things about the transgender. Uh, well, that's something that Catherine Sevenson does not agree with, and here's what she had to say about it. She said, Massachusetts and California have passed laws relating to calling a student, irrespective of his biological gender, letting him perform as the gender he thinks he is or she is. I just want to emphasize, not in this district, not until the plumbing's changed. That would have been, uh, that would have to be castration in order to pass something like that around here, or there would have to be castration in order to pass something like that around here. Uh, it just kind of goes to show you that that kind of ignorance still exists. And treating transgender people equally would do absolutely nothing negative to her life, but for some reason she's at, totally against it. Well, she also said that as long as a boy can impregnate a girl, not going to be allowed in the girl's locker room. You know, I don't think we have to keep Richard Simmons out of the girls' locker room. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think there's certain people we can be. I'm sure transgendered people would be in that category of people that we don't have to worry about. Especially a kid in school who's willing to come out and say, I'm transgendered. It's probably for real. You know what I mean? It's not someone doing a prank. Yeah. And so I think we should respect it. Don't you? I mean, I, I just don't understand why people are so against equality in cases like this. Jesus. So, so yeah, I mean... I feel like if someone has that type of um, gender identity, if they are born as a male but identify as a female and they would like to be referred to as a female, that does no harm to my life. Me refusing to refer to them as a female does harm to their life. And for some reason, we continuously have these really hateful people that refuse to understand that this isn't something that they choose to do for shits and giggles, excuse my language. It's something that's really difficult and they have to struggle with it for their entire lives. But, but the answer to that is that these people simply don't believe the logical explanation right. that right. that is what the AMA says and what the American Psychiatric Association says is what you just said, but these people simply don't believe it. And yeah. they and not only do they not believe it in adults, but then when it comes to kids, they really think that some kid who's six years old that is a boy that wants to be a girl, they think they're having some real psychological issue and they don't want to feed it because that'll somehow solidify this thing except it's never proven that way it's never you know every time we do a gay uh, story here i always say to you how i can't wait till we never do another gay I story know. because then that'll be it and it'll be fine and big damn well well i think what's going to happen is we're going to slowly be doing less gay stories and transgender is just going to be the next thing that we have to deal with and then that'll get out of the way and everything will be fine still. For me, this issue, too, is safety, right? I mean, we know the assaults and, honestly, homicides committed against uh, gay and transgendered, particularly transgendered youth, is astronomical. And if we can do something as simple, and this is why I was such a proponent of when California did this, if we can do something as simple as pass legislation that allows uh, for in-school students to be able to use the restrooms that they feel most comfortable with, um, 
That's a good thing. You know, if you've got a, a teenage or middle school uh, transgendered girl using a female bathroom, that's a good thing because mm -hmm. I can only imagine the fear that's going on when that transgendered person has to use a bathroom uh, for, with the guys when they are clearly representing themselves as a female. That has to be absolutely terrifying. Absolutely. I, and, and one thing that I always try to figure out when people make these types of comments is, are, there, are they just trying to be hateful? Mm -hmm. They just don't like this community so they say the most negative things possible about them? Or does it just stem from ignorance where they don't understand that this is not a choice this is something this is this is your identity gender identity is very different different from your actual sex right? right and a lot of people don't understand that that's something I learned in sociology class in college I learned that in high school now that I think about it you know but a lot of people don't understand that they think that these are deviants and they choose to live this type of lifestyle and they're just looking for some sort of attention you went to high school huh yeah. I think that the people, it's just like the people are anti-gay, I think there's a big percentage of those people who think that these transgendered or gay people are getting away with something. I know. You know, like they're getting away with having fun. Hey, I'd like to be a sex fucking maniac too, but I gotta rein it in because I have kids and I'm a Christian. I can't just go do everything I want. I'd like to have crazy sex with a transgendered, but I'm a Christian, so I don't. And I think it's those people who scream about it. Like a lot of people could not be okay with it, but they're not enough to talk about it. Right. The people who talk about it are the people who are suppressing something. Yeah, well, you know, even if you listen to her language, Anna, in the quote that you just said, she said, not in this district. Yeah. So yeah. first of all, there's very like, it's very possessive. like, I control yeah. not only my own body and your body, but the district. And then, not until the plumbing's changed. No one refers to it as the plumbing, the plumbing. anymore. So that's ridiculous. And then to even bring in castration, it makes it feel like it's an animal, right? Because yeah. a bull would be yeah, castrated. Right. So it's not even, it's dehumanizing just in the language. So I don't know, is she hateful or ignorant? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But everything she's saying just plays into all of that fear-based craziness. Well, I think the one positive note that we can end this story on is, you know, she's she's an older woman and so, you know, there's an older generation that's less open-minded to different groups of people, right? Yeah. And thankfully you have younger generations that are more open-minded, which is why you're seeing a lot more acceptance uh, for the gay community and it's something that I love and I can't wait for the day that Dave Rubin was talking about where a celebrity comes out and we no longer think it's a big deal. It's just, oh, okay, so you're gay, big deal. We're not even going to talk about it on the show. Yes. Um, I think we're coming very close to that day when it comes to um, the gay community, but the transgender community has a lot further to go. I agree. Because I, I will say that, I mean, even up to the last couple of years, I was ignorant of the transgender, uh, their plight, yep. the things they have to go through. I used to make a lot more jokes uh, about them, and I realize now that they're not, they weren't correct, you know, and um, that they actually, you know, I just never associated pain mm -hmm. with a transgendered person. It just yes. all looks like fun, yeah. you know, yes. and so that was my ignorance, and uh, it, I, it is a big deal, and I yeah. think you're right, it will be the next thing. And I think so. I, I, and I think media is already picking that up. I mean, I'm a big fan of the uh, Netflix series Orange is the New Black, mm -hmm. which, you know, they, they feature um, a transgender character, and I love that she's played by an actual transgendered but, person which yeah. is amazing to get us to this space all of you guys are talking about a place of normalcy where we because I'm with you Jimmy I was pretty ignorant to this community mm -hmm. up until a few years ago and just those type of media and that's why again I always talk about this media images are so important and diversity whether it's cultural whether it's gender uh, it's absolutely critical to our understanding uh, massively
Hi, Jay. This is Nathan from Vancouver, Washington. And there's been a, a discussion. I just listened to the healthcare episode uh, from recently, and they were talking about consistency. And I tend to agree more so to the point that, that consistency is a value because I, I see logical consistency. I see a inconsistency in someone's worldview as a bullshit detector. If you're against the drug war, but you are for banning tobacco, then you it's a culture war issue and you just have some kind of ickiness thing going on and and I, you're not worth it discourages me from talking to somebody but along those lines a couple of other things that I think indicate to me that you're not really open for conversation or at least not for conversation that's really going to change someone's mind besides the you know that logical inconsistency which sometimes can be pointed out is do I hear you say things that I hear? Because I hear not only the liberal media from you guys, but since the liberal media talks about the conservative media a lot, and since when I was younger, back in my early 20s, I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh, I know what their arguments sound like. So I know the words that they use. If you use the words that Tom Hartman uses, I don't need to talk to you. They're not worth talking to. If you use other people's words, I can just listen to that other person. So that is a, a big part of the logical consistency is that if you're using other people's words to talk about something, chances are you haven't thought about it long enough to integrate it into your worldview one way or another, on one side of an issue or to one degree or another. So if you talk to me the same way that Rush Limbaugh talks, you talk to me the same way that, you know, Rachel Maddow talks, the exact same words, then chances are you haven't, those are, those are clues along with logical inconsistency that you haven't integrated it into your worldview, you haven't thought it out, and... That's an indicator that this is either something that I might try to move you on, or I might just give up and not even bother talk, talking to you about it because you're just going to parrot something other people say. Thanks. I enjoy the discussion. Hey, Jay. This is Rich in Kansas. Your question about culture and policy made me think back to a conversation I had with a, a youth pastor and how I didn't think it was right that the Catholic culture and uh, evangelical Christian culture was being forced on on those receiving health care in Africa via not providing condoms, being that uh, condoms, uh, of course we all know, equal sex. And condoms also are a form of birth control, which the Catholics have a problem with. And so they wouldn't provide condoms, which caused AIDS rates to triple, at least, during the Bush administration. And so I had a conversation with him, how is this right? Uh, wouldn't it be better to save people than prostatize them? He said, well, in the time that they were taken to uh, teach them how to use condoms, they, they should have just indoctrinated them. Well, this is the other side of the world. We're dealing with wars. We're dealing with uh, patriarchal, matriarchal societies. We're dealing with how prostitution is a way of surviving. It's an entire different worldview, an entire different culture. So a culture formed a policy which is, in, which is trying to be enforced on a cult, another culture that's completely incompatible with that policy. So it's, it's interesting how this can be uh, a vicious loop in a way. And uh, we should really think about what we're doing and where we're sending it before we just carte, uh, carte blanche try to impose a policy. Thanks. Hey, Jay, what's up? This is Will from Tallahassee, Florida. Um, I'm calling in response to the recent episode on work. And while listening to that, you know, it really kind of brought me back to Richard Wolf's book on worker-owned companies, worker-owned enterprises, and, you know, in that book, he kind of lays out how, you know, companies just, they hire workers, and workers create a surplus, and blah, 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 basic 
economics and basically there's an agreement that the capitalists get to keep all of the surplus and distribute it how they see fit. You know, and I think that we need to have a conversation in this country. And I mean, I know the bipartisan consensus in Washington kills us where all they do, both parties bend over backwards to represent business because that's who's funding them. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to do about it, but it needs to be broken somehow because the system is broken. And about the question you ask in terms of our place in the world, I don't think that the American empire is really working for most people. There's, you know, the people at the top who are really becoming, as far as history is concerned, the richest people in the world ever because of the American empire and because of what they do with it. But, you know, I wouldn't mind our statue in the world, stature in the world falling if it meant that the average person lived better. That's all. Thanks for the show, man. Keep it up. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make the show possible, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment or question of your own to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So first of all, uh, welcome back from everyone's vacation. Uh, Hopefully you had a vacation. Uh, If you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. If not, I hope you had a lovely Thursday. Um, My trip was exactly as hectic as I thought it was going to be. I I, I only managed to post one sort of bonus show uh, into the feed while I was gone. And, you know, I I know a lot of you probably skipped it. And I think that that was a mistake for those of you who did. Uh, If Wesley, listener Wesley, can be trusted, uh, he wrote in saying, quote, This is probably the best episode of any show on radio, TV, blog, or podcast that I have ever witnessed, unquote. So if you skipped that extra podcast that I put out because it it looked like an old one and you didn't want to listen to something old, then I think Wesley would tell you that you should probably check it out for your own good. Uh, On the subject of America standing in the world – uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely of the opinion that we should sort of follow Great Britain's lead of – you know, a, a once great empire that is now just perfectly, uh, you know, a perfectly excellent country in most respects and, and, you know, doesn't have a whole lot to be horribly ashamed of. Like that's, that's where I would like to see America. Just let's just be a good country that doesn't try to push other people around. Um, and, and on this topic, Todd wrote in saying that, you know, in addition to he is like, oh, I hate American exceptionalism. Can't we all just be different, different countries and we're all good in our own way and let's just work together and not worry about who's the best, which I also agree with. He, he included this quote that he says is from Al Franken, although I don't, I, I don't have the original source material for it, but it definitely sounds like something Al Franken would say. So Todd says it's from Al Franken and if it's not, then it's Todd's fault and not mine. Um, but I agree with the quote re- regardless of who it came from. So it says, Liberals love America like grown-ups. To a four-year-old, everything mommy does is wonderful and anyone who criticizes mommy is bad. Grown-up love means actually understanding what you love, taking the good with the bad, and helping your loved one grow. Love takes attention and work and is the best thing in the world. That's why we liberals want America to do the right thing. We know America is the hope of the world and we love it and want it to do well. We also want it to do good. When liberals look back on history, we see things we're very proud of, and we also see some things which might have seemed like a good idea at the time, but turned out to be mistakes. 
And some things we did, well, they were just bad. That doesn't keep us from loving our country. It's part of loving our country. It's called honesty. Uh, which I, I totally agree with. You know, I, I would happily uh, just have us look honestly at America and do sort of what's best, <laughs> which I think is, you know, doing what's best for the world also ends up reflecting back on us. And, you know, I don't know that one country being a dominant empire uh, is what's best for the country. I, I think it has a similar damaging effect as the you know, giant wealth disparity right within our country. The 1%, the 99%, I think is a damaging uh, sort of system. Similarly, I think, you know, American empire in the world is uh, is pretty damaging. So that's about it. I'm, I'm, before I leave you, though, I want to let you know that you should really be checking out uh, the members-only bonus content. If you're not already a member, you really have to get on that. Um, I have been dissecting recently uh, rape culture, in a way that I think, at least, is really interesting. And the listeners have been responding positively, saying that it's, it's an interesting discussion. I hope something concrete will come out of it. Um, but I'm sort of working. Th- uh, it's, it's like workshopping, like a comedian who workshops jokes. Uh, that's what I'm doing with the, the members right now. It's a really interesting conversation. So, um, so of course, members have access to that. Uh, to lighten things up, I will be giving the details of my Thanksgiving trip uh, on, the, on a member's show because I realized – when I got back from the Thanksgiving trip, I thought, oh, you know, like that wasn't just a vacation to see family or a vacation from the show or a vacation, you know, away from home. That was a vacation from thinking about rape culture every day. I think I went three whole days without thinking about rape, which, uh, you know, when I, when I was brought back to reality, was sort of jarring to realize like, oh, man, what a nice few days I had where I didn't have to think about rape at all. So you can get access to all of that, uh, you know, fun and exciting stuff. Uh, it's all part of the membership package. Sign up for a membership at bestofleft.com or give away memberships as gifts. This is uh, the time of year for that, is, is my understanding. Also, if you're doing holiday shopping, uh, remember to use the Amazon link at Best of the Left. Bookmark that link to use for everything you uh, shop for this season, and it really, really helps the show in, in like you think it only helps a little bit, but you have no idea how much it helps. So check that out. The link is very prominent at bestofleft.com. You can't miss it. So that's going to be it for today. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations as is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it, leaving glowing reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, and by donating your accounts at donateyouraccount.com slash bestofleft. Stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter, and for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information can always be found in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. And it's a cry and shame How we get so trained We can see past all the sad stories And wonder why we're missing We can see past all the sad stories And forget how to listen See past all the sad stories and what